ahead and take a seat. Well, great to see I heard a kid that disappeared, so that's good. Hey, last week um, I was at Tunda. Um, I was doing some work with them on some things that were going on in their church. Had an opportunity to share a seat for them, and uh, I decided that I'd take a, a Lisa along this week, and uh, she was going to uh, ask her to share a bit about what God has done in her life over the last six months, and it was so good that I'd asked her to come and share with you guys. So would you welcome up Alicia as she shares her... struggled with relationships both in and outside of home. I craved close friendships, but it became a constant thorn in my life that people left me or rejected me. I always felt unloved and worthless. I could easily spout off all the reasons it wasn't true, but it was all fake knowledge and not grounded. I found myself feeling depressed and anxious majority of the time, and at times I got to a point of feeling suicidal. I felt so worthless that for a while I was scratching my arms just to make them breathe and then lying to many of my friends and family. I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety and bipolar disorder and was on multiple medications as well as regularly seeing my psychiatrist. But none of that really seemed to help me cope. I knew that things could get better and that God is powerful enough to change it, but I couldn't see how and I wasn't convinced that he was. I felt hopeless and trapped. I trudged through each day just trying to survive and no matter how hard I tried to push myself, things only seemed to get worse. Then last year, Barry told me about this book called The Steps to Freedom by Dr. Hart. He suggested that if I took some time to go through the book and say all of the things in there, that God would heal me. I put it off for a while because I was feeling overwhelmed by trying to do so many other things at the table with my family. But in the July holidays, I made a time with him to go through it with him. Going into that meeting, I was really anxious, and the whole time I was doubting who God was. I couldn't explain what I was afraid of. I was scared of him. But as we went through all the steps in the book, and I prayed through each line, I believed about myself, I was saved to give me purpose, hope, and joy. Every prayer I prayed, I felt this weight just slowly disappear each week as I prayed. It felt a little calmer and calmer the further we got and by the end I felt completely different. I felt peace. I felt free. I'd never felt like this before. For days afterwards I was on a high and kept on being Christian Alicia. Is this what happiness feels like? What will happen the next time I face this problem? Will I fall to the ground and start crying? Three months after that I had a chat with my counsellor and psychiatrist and they both agreed that I was doing so well after two months of therapy. I no longer need anyone, and I don't have anyone in the world to blame for it. And now, six months later, it still hasn't gone away. That peace is still here. The joy is still here. In fact, it's just greater now. 
suffer my lot to go broken. My lot is definitely not perfect. But I have a peace that no matter what happens, I have hope. And it's not just about today, but it's about the rest of my life. Something we believe here is Jesus changes First, he changed me. Then he started changing his feelings, the patterns in my thoughts. He's been speaking to me about what I need to change in my life, the things I need to stop, and the things I need to stop. He has given me a new passion for reading his words every day and to see others find their freedom from fear and anxiety. With this new peace I found in him, I've been able to focus on massive changes in the last few months and even jobs this week that I never would have been able to deal with before. While I'm terrified by some of the things God's been asking me to do, I'm also excited to see those he will take me to and inspire me to do with him. My life is forever changed, and I have a peace that lasts forever. How cool is that, huh? highlighted that at at Panda and just also want to highlight it to you for someone who's grown up in the church and the heart and the joy that it's been to connect and I want to want to say to you that if you're feeling that disconnect I can hear you too that uh, if you're struggling in different areas of your life that's what the gospel is about it's not just what happens when you die what happens is that God wants you to live life in, you know, John 10, 10 says it, life in all its fullness. That's what he wants for you. And you can't do it, but God has to do it in you. Thank you, Lord, that you're the perfect God. So, thankfully, we've got on the wall uh, letters, so you know exactly how many more weeks to go we're in and exactly where we're in. We've done A and we've done B. We're at C this week which means we've got one more week after that and we left you with what you have to book. And we're starting our Lenten series uh, after that. Today, um, I'm talking about cultivating in- intimacy with God. A, if you remember, was assume that God wants to use you. Believe, a B is believe God is bigger. C is cultivate intimacy with God and D is develop people around you. So I'm going to be talking about cultivating uh, intimacy with God. And because you're the second service and I don't have any timeless folks, you get the non-redacted version of the sermon. So you're blessed. Uh, if you fall asleep, I don't eat that one. But uh, what I've, uh, I'm on a couple of Facebook um, groups, and there's one about faith and men. And uh, these Facebook groups, they get really anti-singing and anti-worshipping, and I'm just going, I don't understand why you're so anti all this. Like, just because you're a dude doesn't mean that you can't sing and pour your whole heart out to God. But I realized it, w- it was an intimacy issue. They're about the mechanics of faith, not the relationship with God. And so I get on there and because I'm Barry and I do the things that I do, I, and I sit down with moderator of the page every once in a while and say, dude, lighten up. Guys can sing, guys enjoy singing, guys enjoy singing. But if you're a person who struggles with the concept of intimacy uh, and, and this whole concept of intimacy with God, and as I said, there's a whole Facebook group of guys who feel that way, and you might not be uh, a guy, but you may still feel that way. 
I want to put it in a different way for you because I do think that God wants us to be intimate, connected, um, you know, that, um, in love with him to, to be able to be real and honest and, and open. I, I really believe that our true selves, whether we're used to sharing our emotions or not, has that in it. And I speak to guys all the time who keep on burying their emotions under the rug and they're wondering why they've got issues. And I've got to say, because God has designed us to be intimate, to have our hearts actually exposed and for that to be a safe thing in the presence of God and His Holy Spirit. Amen? But if you're struggling with intimacy with God, let me, let me turn it in another way that's a bit more blokey for the blokes in the room or for those who struggle with intimacy. And I'm going to pull it from... Uh, Philippians 2.12, where it says this, in the Bible. It says, Therefore, my beloved, that's you, and the reader, the original readers of this text, as you have always obeyed, not, uh, not as in my presence only, but so much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So if you don't like the concept of being intimate with God, this is what I want to say to you. Paul is saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I'm not letting you off the hook. Oh, I don't want to be intimate with God. Don't like that stuff. Work it out. It's got work in the title. If you, if you just don't want to work and you don't want to do the emotions, he's saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The word salvation is not just about uh, you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The word salvation actually has a component to it that means spiritual health. So it's not working out whether you're saved or not. It's about working out your spiritual health with fear and trembling. What does fear and trembling mean? It means with awe and, and diligence. It's, it's about making it important and real. So if you don't like the concept of being intimate with God, I want to put to you that Paul is saying here that he wants you to work out your faith your spiritual health with fear and trembling. He wants you to work on it. Uh, Paul says in other parts of the Bible that he no longer wants us to be infants, but he wants us to be mature and he wants us to feed on meat and not milk. You might have come across that part, uh, that part of the Bible. There's another thing that Jesus says. He says, if anyone obeys my word, he's like a person who digs down deep and builds on the rock, and when the storms of life come, they will not be shaken. And so Paul and Jesus are in agreement that our faith is not just saying yes to Jesus. Our faith is about working out who we are, whom we are, and, and what God wants us to do. And we can only do that when we stop being influence, inf infants. Help me through it, please. Help me figure out. Uh, infants and be mature in our faith and that's what i want to talk to you about this morning it's because i believe that god wants us to be in a space where no matter what happens in our life no matter what wind is blowing that we are we are in a place where we are built on the rock and we can know who we are whose we are and what he wants us to do now i've been working with people long enough to know that most people, when it comes to issues in their life and God, do two things. They either, when something goes wrong, 
in their life or in their faith, they run away from God. There are those of you in this room. So when things start to get a little bit tight, you go and isolate yourself. You run away. You stop coming to church. You, you just um, run away. And you don't just do that in your relationship with God. You probably do that in every relationship with God. But when things get tough, you run away. You, you internalize. You go, oh, I don't want to talk about it now. I don't want all that emotional stuff. And it's only when things start going well that you go, eh, maybe I'll come back to church. Or when you've buried it deep enough that it no longer has an issue in your life that you start to re-engage with those key relationships again. There are those of you in this room. There's the other one where, where you're the tackler. So as soon as something goes wrong, you push in to God. So whenever there's a crisis, you're in there, you're praying on your knees. You're, you want it, but when, as soon as the crisis is over, you're drifting away. And, and, and you're just going, well, I know God's there and I know God's for me, but I'm just going to live like I'm going through all this. And then when a crisis comes, then you're back in and you do it. And you do the same thing in your relationships. As soon as there's something, you're up there, you're arguing with people, you're wanting to get your point of view across, but you don't do anything to sustain your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you wonder why you don't move from that place. And you give up. And, what I, and, and we can find ourselves in our relationships and our relationship with God going up and down the scales where, where it's growing together and together and today and going from one place to another with people that we love and people that don't love us. And I want to say to you this morning, that is not the case. Because God wants you to be mature. God wants you to be building your foundation on the rock of God and he wants you to learn to learn from the things that God has given you. And God wants you to learn how to put the metal straight back together the way Jesus Christ did. I, I, we learned this this morning and maybe this is why it's so real for me because I'm someone... When the crisis come, I'm usually pushing away. I'm usually going, God, I'm not feeling like things are right and I'm pressing in. But when I was on holidays, I tried Lent Christmas. Like when you put me on Christmas Day, I could barely speak, but I did three things. The first week I did three things. I slept, I prayed, and I got fasted. That was the three things that I had to do. And after I finished sleeping and finished praying and, and finished resting after I went back to Mr. Bean's house and did that solid diet. I didn't ask my wife to do it, but she had to. I said, I'm off every Monday. So that's all I did. And as I was sleeping and as I was praying and as I was watching basketball, God started to speak to me about last year. And he started to tell me off. And I don't think you've really gone deep with God and you're really intimate with God until you've heard God tell you off. I think that your relationship with God is at a surface level until God can talk to you. Until God can pull you up. And when I was sleeping, watching basketball and praying, God started to pull me up. In fact, when I go to my staff retreat at the beginning of the year, I have to say and confess to the staff that I got up two times. And although I might not have done it, my heart was saying I, I needed to repent. And I was repentant before God. I probably should have repented before my wife. I just said, I got it so wrong. What did I get wrong? What did God start telling me about this? And he started to show me that very subtly I started to shift him out of the center of my life. I started to 
take on responsibilities and the burden of leading this church on my own shoulders instead of his. There were so many decisions that needed to be made last year. So many things that got turned upside down, back to front and backwards. And, and, and in your employment, probably the same as well. But for me, I started to shift the responsibility of letting God do the work, God lead the way, and I started to put the responsibilities on my own shoulders and bear that weight, and it almost killed me. And luckily, it limped to the end of the year as well. That's the weight. And as God gave us Stephanie to look at, started to show me each decision and decisions of where I started to push God through the corner and say, those things on there that you say are there, they're not there. Don't don't allow God to realign my heart and my mind to renew it. And as I started to do that and see the the joy of his testimony, of what God had done, because all of that had started to push over of that higher higher as that testimony of Christ and as God started to reaffirm in my life who I was that I was his, that I was loved that I was, that I was cherished by him as I, as I started to, re, to re, reaffirm in my life that I, I was a child of the living God and as God started to show me what I needed to do to put those things to one side and to start with and start walking away from his Scripture. It's not the scripture that I originally started to read, but I'm a minister and I can change my mind if I want to. And, and, and this is really a scripture that Paul is articulating that there are two things at war here, the self and the life. And I just want to read it to you and then pull it apart a little bit and hopefully we can bring some things to it as we go along. So it's up on one on Galatians, uh, sorry, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Can we just say amen to that? Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let, let Paul write us free. Let him guide us. And then you won't be doing what you are thinking you should be doing. I'm saying, if you guide by the Holy Spirit, and all this cynicism, and all this, this burden, and all this emptiness, goes on to say the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite to what the of what the spirit wants to just wants god wants us out of autonomy and the spirit gives us desire uh, opposite of what the sinful nature does the principle is the principle of desire and control the sin is in the so you are not free to carry it out any longer and this is a part of a recent was that there was a battle going on and until she allowed God to re, rewrite her mind and her heart about what was sin and then she did that and God said no and all the things that were making it going on inside of her were she could forget about the good and simple and come back to the good but when you are directed by the spirit you're not under the obligation of another's law when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear this is the outworking of you following your sinful nature. It says here, in reality, you can add to whatever is sin you want to, except basically the area of the law. 
people to be in purity, healthy pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties or orgies, and other sinful and twisted lovers of the word more than you yourselves. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will be So what he's saying is these things are the outworking of selfish behavior or sinful behavior. This is the fruit of it. It will will come out because if you're all about you, that's what will happen. I mean, that's what we see in the world, isn't it? And he's saying if it's all about you and not about God, then you're only hurting the kingdom of God. It's not a completely... If you want to be really smacked around the head, go read it in the message version because that will absolutely undo you. It is strong. says at the end of this verse right here and cling to our hope so it's not a complete list though we have no hope goes on but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness and faithfulness gentleness and self-control or um, self who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed their passions and desires to his nature to his cross and crucified them there by our flesh since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit doing what is right and let us not be conceited or provoke one another or provoke God so here we have um, a, a, a scripture where Paul is basically saying there are there are two things going on in our life there is either us living life our own way which has its own truth but if you're living in the spirit of god then it has a different uh, a different spin and if we let the holy spirit guide us we'll be guided into that fruit that he wants to produce and that fruit that we see outlined there um, uh, which is uh, love hope joy peace kindness self-control and discipline over my brain and I couldn't think of the third those are the the very nature of God and so what God is saying to you that if you follow the spirit what he is leading you is the very nature of who God is God is those things God uh, and God wants to to birth them in you qualities of God and so as we become intimate with God as we we go deep with God as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling that is what God wants to produce in you and it stays stays here as a pattern that no matter how hard you try and how how much work I put into it I cannot produce one of those things cannot out of my own goodness produce more love in my life can't produce more peace more joy definitely not more self-control no matter what the self talk says can't give them any any good more joy 
introduce it in you. It is a gift for us that God has promised us. And the biggest fault that we have is that somehow we say to ourselves that we've got to up our game, that we've got to somehow do more of this or, or try and be more loving or try and be more joyful and it's just not in her and it's not in us because we've told it. And I don't want you to look there and go, well, Barry, I love your peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and, and, and self-control. I, I should think Paul is in my life in those areas. And I, wanna, I don't want you to feel guilty about that. What I want you to know is that God wants the best out of you. It's not what you don't have that I want you to concentrate on. It's one of the fact is what God wants to give you that I want you to concentrate on. So if you don't have the peace that you want, I want you to know that God wants the birth it in you. If you don't have the joy that you want, I want you to know that God wants to birth it in you. If you don't have the connection with God that you want, then God wants to birth it in you. Let's not worry about what we don't have. Let's concentrate on what God wants to give us. Let's stop worrying about how bad we are because none of us are worthy of the gospel. That's the whole Christian message. None of us are good enough for God's favor. Let's just relax in the fact and say, let's claim the fact that God actually wants to do this in you and I. He wants to birth his character in us. So if you're one of these people who say, I just wish I was more loving... Don't try and be more loving. Ask God to produce that in you. Because only He can make you more loving, more caring, more kind, more joyful, more peaceful. So if you don't have peace, ask God for it. If you don't have joy, ask God for it. Because God wants us to have it. He wants us to be like Him. And so sometimes I feel like we just accept the fact that going, oh, I'm just, just don't have any joy at the moment. And we just accept that as a reality. Where I want to say to us, no, we've got we to realize that God wants it to be different. And I wonder how many things in our life that we just sit on and say, that's normal instead of claiming the reality of God in our life. So I want to put to you one of the, the way that we can enter into this. It's the same way that we can enter into everything when it comes to the gospel. And the only way that we can enter into the heart of God and what God has for us, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the goodness, and the faithfulness, is through the cross. That's the only way that we can enter it. And the cross is, is basically the symbol of, of sacrifice. It's through Jesus' birth and resurrection. He gave up so that we could have life and life in all its fullness. And the only way that we can enter into the things that God wants us is if we're prepared to surrender our life and pick up the life that God has for us. If we're prepared to let go of those things that Paul outlined as sinful and all the things that weren't mentioned there and pick up the fact that God has a different life for us. Jesus made it really clear when he said this. He said, if you want to gain your life, anyone who wants to gain their life, but whoever wants to lose their life for my sake will gain it. He's saying that the only way to come into his life is to die to yourself. 
to surrender, to give up. And I've had people in my office who have been pondering about God, and this is their biggest difficulty. And they go, I don't know if I can surrender to God. I, I don't think I can give over to God in this moment. I don't think I want to do that. And some of them had great reasons, and other, other ones were just obstacles. But the only way that we can enter into what God has for us is the way of the cross, is to lay down our lives and let God be God. The last year, when I put the whole church on my shoulders, well, Greg, he didn't put me on my shoulders, but Greg put me on my shoulders. There's a lot of good things that have happened in my life. But when I put it all on my shoulders and thought it was all about me and my problems. And as God started to to work in my life and as I started to surrender all the things that God had shown me that I had taken control of, that is when I found new life. That is when I found new joy. That is when I surrendered and let God be God and let him be in control and, and started to let him reshape who I was and whom I was. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is that you've got to be willing to to surrender. The the second thing, and this is what God has been teaching about what to do, that I think that um, I want to share with you this morning, is that that a part of what we need to do in response to surrendering to God is actually claiming God's truth to be true. And, And we do that when we come to faith. How you come to faith is simply this. You say, I no longer want to live for me. I believe what Jesus did on the cross. I believe in his death and resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. I declare it. And I, and I ask God to become a part of my life. That's how you give your life to Jesus, is by asking him to come in. That's a declaration. I declare that it's true that Jesus died for my sins. You're making a declaration of what is true. And it is the words of declaration that activate the faith to be true. But it's through that declaration that the Spirit of God comes down to apply the truth. He can't apply the truth. The Spirit of God can influence me, but it can't guide me. We become one with Him. So, we make declarations all the time. Paul makes many declarations in Scripture, and the fruit of the Spirit is one. But another one is God has not given us a spirit of fear. You remember that one? You got 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy? not giving you a spirit of fear, but of, but of I love joy and calm mind. <laughs> so that's a declaration. God has not given me a spirit of fear. And so if you've got fear as a prevailing uh, emotion in your life, I want you to get up every morning and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear and let God do the rest. I don't want you to sit there trembling with fear and going, oh, oh, I wish I had more, more tenacity. I wish I could get rid of this fear. No, you wake up in the morning and you go, God has not given me the spirit of fear. I claim it for my life. And that's what we can do. As we surrender, we can stand on the rock, the foundation, and we're not being blown away by the breeze. So if we need more peace in our life, we get up in the morning and we go, God, I believe that you want me to have peace. It's your job to get it. I can't produce it in my life, but I'm going to claim it. If you're waking up without joy, you sit there and you claim joy 
for your life today. There's a lot we can do when we just stand on the truth of God and let God be God. Let God work in our midst. So if you're here this morning and you're lacking in joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, or self-control, I want to say to you, claim it today. Because that is the time for us. God is not that, that you're doing, you know, the I'm just wishing to get things hard. It's not like it's the, remember that thing called the secret? It's not like that, that you just say positive thoughts out until everything will come back. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about standing on what God wants for us and refusing to believe that he doesn't. So if you're lacking hope, stand on the fact that God wants to give you hope. Amen. So I want to encourage you to take stock of your relationship with hope. Work it out with fear and trembling. Go deep. Become intimate with God because he is for you. He loves you and he wants the best for you. And as you work out who you are and whose you are and what you are to God, you begin to grow deeper and develop the trust and resilience in your life and in your relationship with God. Let's pray together. Just close your eyes and struggling with the feeling of hopelessness. Who are feeling like they've been blown away by the wind in their life. Those who are running away or pushing in only in darkness because they want to get them back in the light. And I pray, Lord Jesus, right now that your spirit will come upon them and if we find the reality that you want them to be mature, that you want them to be blessed, Thank you.